This is the Saddled Stallion Podcast, where men are equipped and encouraged to understand their wiring, clarify their mission, and find purpose along the path to its fulfillment. I'm your host, Chad Kanyer, and I'm stoked to have you here. Let's roll. Hello, everyone. I'm stoked to have you guys here, and I'm stoked to be getting into a great conversation today with my good friend, Taylor Condren, and a return guest on the podcast, Trevor Dees. Uh, guys, I'm stoked to have you here. I'm excited to talk about manhood and business and purpose and faith and all that jazz with you guys. Welcome to the Saddled Stallion podcast. Thanks for having us, Chad. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure. It's an honor. Yeah, man. Same here. It's good, good to be back on the show. I really enjoy your podcast and I'm excited about this one tonight. So guys, I'm excited to have you. We're launching into a new series. We're kind of feeling this thing out as we build it, which is, I love that kind of thing. See what kind of life it takes on on its own. But net, net, I think there's this illusion right now. You guys tell me what you think. There's kind of this illusion of like living a purposeful life and like, how do you get that? Is it money? Is it career success? Is it like boundless sexual freedom. I mean, hopefully not a lot of people think that's like a purposeful life, <laughs> but a life of just impact and purpose and freedom and all that kind of stuff. And I think we as grown men who are taking care of people and doing our thing in the world of business, and of course we got to pay bills and stuff like that, but I think we have a good perspective, a more informed, seasoned perspective on what a purposeful life looks like. But I think we're the kind of guys who are always asking ourselves that question, right? Like, am I walking in purpose? Am I living to my greatest potential? And then, so the point of this uh, series is to, it's called, um, it's called Men of Purpose. And it's really to talk to guys like Taylor Condren and it's to talk to guys like Trevor Dees. And it's about uh, illuminating what it really looks like to be a man walking in his purpose. What, what are the different profiles? Like, how could that look? And so we're going to dig into Taylor's profile, his story, and we're going to hear what he believes is a life of purpose and whether he thinks he's living his fullest life of purpose and all that kind of jazz. Taylor, I just want to get us started right away, man. I'm going to get us get us into it. Give us a like a 101 on who you are, what you do, what is your deal? Like listeners are probably like, who the hell is Taylor Connor? Like, who is this guy? Like, what's your deal, man? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that uh, that chat. So, so for the listeners, uh, in a, in a nutshell, um, again, my name is Taylor. I, I grew up with Chad, uh, unbeknownst to both of us. We didn't become friends until until after, well, <laughs> after high school. But we went to the same high school, and uh, I, you know, I'm I'm from out just outside Seattle. I spent the first twenty nine and a half years of my life there. Uh, became a Christian at a very young age. Did not start living for God until I was probably about twenty three, and I'll get into that later. Uh, and how those two sort of uh, can conflict, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I got married and, and, and we now live just north of Dallas here in McKinney, Texas uh, for work. I do, I have my own business. We do digital marketing, uh, search engine optimization, Google ad management, Facebook ad management, general business website consulting, stuff like that. But that's just, you know, work related, how I pay the bills. The passion that that I have is is my calling. And I truly, uh, I truly feel a, an intense um, calling, if a desire, a, a burning flame inside me uh, to to follow the path that God has outlined for me, and I believe that's in a 
a sense of, of being sort of an, what I refer to as an evangelist, right? Somebody that uh, spreads the word, um, you know, whether it be internationally or, or, or just uh, in this country, but, but being, seeing a, a revival in our land in terms of helping people come to the realization that God is still the same as he was yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same tomorrow. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's what fuels me. I think there's guys like Billy Graham who've come before us, the greats, Reinhard Bonnke was one. He was a German evangelist, lived in Africa, and he had almost 80 million conversions uh, to, his, to his name. So I'm just trying to carry that torch. You're like, you're at 70 million right now, right? Trying to make that last 10 million. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Reinhard Bonnke is the man. I love that dude. I love all of his old stuff. I can just turn that on and just like, he just gets me fired up. Amen. Yeah, you're talking to Trevor, dude. He's got, I was excited for you guys. I can't believe this is the first time you guys are talking and you're only like 40 minutes drive from each other. Like I knew you guys would hit it off, on, especially on the ministry stuff. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, whenever he was just going through his like rundown of his life story, I'm like sitting over here just inspired. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where you're listening to somebody talk and you're like, yes, yes, yeah, yes, I know. Yes, it was yes. so encouraging. And you're dude. trying not to interject the whole time because you're trying to be professional. And he's like the main guest, and I'm like kind of the side guest, you know, returning guest. And so I'm letting him talk, but I'm also like everything he said. I wanted to just interject and be like, dude, that's amazing. This is amazing. But then when he dropped Reinhardt Bonky, I'm like, all right, hold all right. Up. I enough gotta, is enough. I gotta <laughs> I'm getting in there. Enough is enough. Dude, yeah. that's that's great. Yeah. By the way, I was going to interject with this is a little bit less of a deep uh, insight. But dude, this guy married like one of my best friend's little sister. What? Like Ryan Kilroy and I go way back. He's probably one of my best friends. And he's one of, he's definitely like top two be- friends out of the Seattle area. And Taylor ups and marries Allie Condren. Or I'm sorry, now she's Allie Condren. Uh, Allie Kilroy. And... I didn't know you from Adam, dude. And I got to know you and I'm like, oh, this guy's like awesome. And we've kind of built a cool friendship and stayed in touch and all that kind of stuff. And I'm super stoked to have you here. And like the way you simplified and just like gave us your 101 in like 45 seconds. I mean, that's super impressive. I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, Chad. It's it's what I learned in, in I, you know, when I got started in, in my work career is I, I got started selling Cutco knives. Wait, you guys probably what? Cutco knives. Dude, that Trevor. Deal. That's what I did. That's exactly did, how I got started did you too, really? man. I, true story. True story. That's exactly like where I got started. brothers or something? Jeez. <laughs> That's an, we're going to have to chat more about that, Trevor, and, and, and swap our Cutco stories. Oh, yeah. But that's amazing, you know. And, and what I learned, in, we, we would have learned a lot in Cutco. I'm sure you can attest to this, Trevor. Absolutely. But, uh, one of the things I learned is that if you want to get a sale, if you really want to get a sale, here's this, the biggest tip. You ready? And if those of you guys who run businesses and, and do sales is get the person to start talking about themselves. People really naturally love talking about themselves. And I would find that I would get in these conversations with these ladies, these gals, and for 10, 12 minutes, I would just I'd dig in. What's the story? How many kids do you have? What's your husband do for work? How long have you guys been in Sammamish? And I just, I really made that friendship and, and, and it, it, it kind of paved that path. So, um, you know, people really do love talking about themselves in terms of, of my awareness of that, because I'm so aware of it. I, I really like to simplify because I know that it can 
people sort of can kind of um, tune out once they once the story's gone on so yeah. long and and whatnot. So I've I've learned to, to kind of pull it back and just say, let's get this exact what I want to speak and what I want to say in a short period of time. Yeah, that's so good because that's if it's your story, there's so much emotion underneath it. It's hard to like package all that in. You got to cut a lot of sentences just to be like, all right, down to the basics, down to the basics. But I'm like, I want to tell the story yep. and get them involved. But yeah, sometimes people are like, all right, dude, that's enough. Like I kind of like I can feel they're like disengaging. I'm like, no, they're like, Chad, it's midnight. Like, yeah, like <laughs> Chad, like I'll just I'll just listen to your podcast and I'll get all this information. I'm good. <laughs> so walk us back, though, man. You said that you met God later in life. Um, but like, tell us about your childhood. What were you into? I mean, and I want to talk also about marketing and stuff, too. Like, how did you build that skill set? When did you decide that you wanted to build your own business? Like, how did that all work? So interestingly enough, when I was, like I said, I actually accepted Christ in my heart just right before my fifth birthday. So I was just a little, little kid and I still remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, and, and I always had God uh, in my heart and the Holy Spirit working within me. I, the only problem was, is I was not willing as a young man, as a, as a teenager, I was not willing to prioritize uh, my spirit walk over uh, my worldly desires, right? My yeah. fleshly desires. And I think a lot of men and women too have that same sort of that same battle where you, you have these different desires, uh, you know, you want the popularity, you want to, you know, experiment with, with girls and, and you want to experiment with social life. You want to have a status, you want to have some sort of, of recognition. And I craved a lot of that. And it's unfortunate because at the same time I was going to youth group, I was doing, I was doing church, but it wasn't, it wasn't like I was letting God yeah, lead. Right. And that yeah. was a, mm. a big thing I realized. And, and uh, you know, for a lot of these men that are listening, a lot of these guys probably have the similar experience where where you finally give up the control to give it to God and say, you know what, I've tried it so long on my own and I've only come up short. Let's switch things around and let's let you lead God and and I'm going to just trust you. And it took me 23 years to finally get there. Um, and and uh, at 23 was about the time of, in which I started my my marketing business and I sort of felt like that was uh, that was my age where it was time to grow up and, and stop um, living for my own self gratification and self desires. And so that's that's sort of where that uh, those two intertwined. Yeah, I've always felt like as I, I've gotten to know you more, I've always felt that you like you don't really want to talk about business more than like we're just catching up. Like you almost consider business talk like uh, almost like small talk, but it's just a road to talk yeah. about the real stuff. And I I like love that about you, but that's so rare and I've just always like consternated about career and purpose and stuff so much just naturally. I think I'm just wired like that and I've I've learned that my dad is very similar. Like we've always talked about career and is there a faith component to career and like is there a purpose component or is it just about money? I've wrestled with all that stuff a lot, but anytime we're catching up about career, I can sense you're like, all right, make sure he's good, check the boxes, but then let's talk about the real stuff. Like we'll talk about business and stuff for three minutes. We'll talk about faith and like purpose and manhood for like the rest of the day. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's not when you're killing flies with your freaking tennis racket that zaps flies in front of me because that was the funniest thing ever. So Trevor, so <laughs> so I go to his place up in uh, McKinney and it's, was it summer, Taylor? Summer. Yeah. We went to the pool first. Yeah. Yeah. What am I saying? We went to the pool. Our kids are playing in the pool and we go back and we're making burgers and he's outside and Taylor is like, dude, the flies here are insane. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But then we start bringing the food out and it's like, oh, the flies here are insane. Like Trevor, there would literally be a hundred flies like hovering around our food and everything. And Taylor, 
That's was wild. visibly angry about it. And he had this racket. And I'm like, what are you going to do with that tennis racket? And he's like, dude, this is a zapper. And so for the rest of the day, he was showing me, like, he would sneak up on, like, bundles of flies and just kill, like, six of them. <laughs> it, was, it was so entertaining, dude. Oh, my God. I love it. That was an amazing day. That really was. Uh, Chad Chad brought the whole family up. That was, that was just back in probably... Allie was still pregnant, Chad. So yeah. that would that would that would have been just right after Fourth of July, I think. Yeah, Allie, yeah, we yeah. guys were still pregnant, and and it was it was hot, and I just remember I still think of you sneaking above flashback, Chad. Watch this, watch this. I'm gonna get like five of them. <laughs> 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 that was cracking me up. But yeah, man, the bigger questions have always been a wrestle with me. And part of me has like envied you, bro. Like it feels like you kind of were like, I'm gonna start my own business, and then you just like did. And here I am, like. I've talked about starting my own business. I try at a bunch of different things. I, I fail. I like try all this new stuff. I fail at that. I, I overthink it. And I'm like, I wish I could be more like Taylor. He just like, he just, it wasn't like this big, nasty problem for you. You're just like, I think I'm going to start a marketing business. And then you just did it. And now you just run your book of business. That's nice, man. Yeah, no, I, I, Chad, I appreciate that seriously. And then my, you know, I, I'm, I've been, I've been fortunate. I've been really blessed. And it's, I want to back up because a few minutes ago you were mentioning how, how I like to kind of just check off the boxes with business and then move into faith. And, you know, when I started this business in 2000, it was early 2015, my goal was I wanted to run my own show. I wanted to, wanted to call the shots and, and, and be my own boss for the reasons that I just, uh, I liked, I liked making the decisions. I didn't want to have somebody make the decisions for me. And so that's what really what inspired me. I wanted to be able to, to set my own schedule and work my own hours and whatnot. And then and it got to that point where I was living with my parents. I, I didn't have, um, I didn't have any responsibility. So, so give yourself some some credit. Cause you got three kids, man. You got a wife, you got a, you know, you just bought a, a fantastic house there. And, and it's like the level of responsibility you have now versus what I had, it's, it's not even comparable. So it was really easy for me. You know, I didn't have a, I wasn't even going to school. I really just had a couple thousand dollars to my name. And, and I said, let me start this business and see where it goes. And fortunately there was a lot of blessing that took place. And I worked really hard in those first couple of years and it wasn't pretty, there wasn't a lot of money to be made, but I just kept working at yeah. it, kept working at it until I got to the point where I, you know, didn't need to live with my parents anymore. Um, and that's about the time where Allie and I kind of got engaged and, and, uh, and got married and the business has, has gradually become less and less of an importance to me. It really has. It's, it's to the point where I don't, I'm, I don't feel a lot of passion about yeah. it. I think that the, the purpose of the business is strictly to fund my life so I can do and, and go and impact people with ministry. You know, I, I preach every Thursday night. I preach also uh, maybe one out of every four or five Sundays at our church, uh, lead a Sunday service. So it's, it's I, I wouldn't have time to prepare. I wouldn't have yeah. time to be in, in, in prayer, in fasting, uh, worship if I was uh, super passionate about growing this big, massive company, you know? So that's sort of, in a nutshell, my my overall uh, feelings about it. All right. I got to interject again. So interesting, Trevor. Yeah, I knew you, I knew you were going to yeah. do that. That's good. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're like preaching services and stuff. One, that's freaking really cool. And like, congrats on all that. Just yeah. the boldness to get on the stage because like that stuff scares me. <laughs> but I will say, man, when you were talking, I wanted to say this, you know, what your story reminded me a lot of the Apostle Paul, you know, because Apostle Paul was a oh, tent builder and he was like, that was his business. That's how 
how he made his money. But then, of course, he was an evangelist and an apostle. But you're right. Like, if you were to sit down with the apostle Paul, he's not going to chat you up about building tents. <laughs> right. You know, like, he's going to talk to you about, he might be like, hey, how's business? How's fishing going? Or whatever. He's talking to a fisherman. How's this going? How's... But he's going to, like, bounce into the important stuff, you know? And I feel like you've captured that. And that's super cool to hear. And just super, it's inspiring, man. It's very inspiring. And then to hear that, yeah, you're, you're taking time and you're preaching messages at your church and stuff. I'm like, Chad, who is this guy? Like, where'd you find this guy? <laughs> and just really, really cool, man. I just want to say major props to you on all that. I appreciate that, Trevor. And, you know, it's, um, it's interesting that you said that because, you know, like a lot of, a lot of these, these men, people know Apostle Paul was at one point just Saul from Tarsus and he was the biggest persecutor yeah. of Christians out there. Right. And, and on the road to Damascus, he has this dramatic conversion. And that's so special right. because my conversion was not dramatic. It was just a gradual, slow, progressive, unexciting, uninspiring mm. conversion. I think a lot of people fall into that category where they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to appear in an angelic form in their night. And there's there are people that have those experiences. Mine wasn't like that. It was just a over over time, God slowly just kind of molded me and, and worked on my heart until it was softened enough where I finally let him in. And so not to, not to get into onto the pulpit here, but, uh, yeah, you brought up, you brought up Paul. I had to go there. Wow. No, no, my experience is similar. I feel like my experience, everyone, I always use the car analogy. I feel like Paul's experience was like, he was driving the car. They didn't have cars back then. He was driving the carriage. Did they even have carriages back then? He was driving whatever the hell they drove. (laughs) like right at Jesus and his church because he was like ripping Christians out of homes and persecuting them on behalf of the Jewish faith and stuff. And they were trying to debunk the whole thing. And then God grabs him on the road to Damascus, blinds him. And he's like, why are you persecuting me? So that's like pretty aggressive, right? God like had to, and then he used him like crazy. I mean, he wrote, what is it like 70% or 80% of the new Testament is, is Paul. Yeah. But for me, I had Jesus in the backseat of the car. He was like a fixture where I was like, all right, cool. I got Jesus with me. I got my boys. I got a little bit of drinking on the weekend. I got my letterman's jacket. I got high school football. I still get A's. Like we're all hanging out. We're all good. We can all commingle. And then I needed to start slowly having difficulty in life and being not punished, but just not, not being fulfilled by everything outside the car and even inside the car, like starting to honestly rule things out and see everything else in the car falling flat. And slowly but surely, Jesus comes up to the front seat and I'm like, listen, I can only do this with you. And then now, I mean, where I want him to be is driving the car and I want to be in the passenger seat. And I'm like, wherever you take us, I want to go. I trust you completely. But like, until other stuff dies and like for strong-willed guys like us who kind of know sales and are good with people and we have a lot of doors that are open to us, right? Um, we have to have those doors like slammed in our face. We've got to go through difficulty to be like, all right, man, Jesus, you got this. And then <laughs> our dreams change, but we actually start accomplishing some of the things we always wanted to because we do it like his way. Um, and our hearts are changed. We want we we want different things too, you know. So it's crazy. It's like a progression. I mean, I accepted God when I was a baby. I'm mean, like, I don't even remember. It, I feel like I just constantly did it every year. Like at church, at some point, I was being moved, and I'm like, hey, I just want to make sure you're in my heart. Like I, I'm, I'm inviting you in. Mm-hmm. But uh, it took it took really the other stuff eroding uh, for my life and crashing for my life for me to let him drive. You know. Totally, totally resonate with that. Hundred percent. 
Tell me about you graduated high school Eastlake, like, go Wolves, by the way. In so I was a I graduated in 06. So you were what, 08? No, I was 2010. Oh, you were 2010. So you're four years younger than me. That's right. All right. And you graduate high school and you just stayed local. You did you like not kind of not know what you're doing after high school? Well, what happened was sort of divine. I got a, a letter in the mail. It was the summertime right after high school. And I was actually, I was I was set to go to Washington State, Chad. I was going to do the whole uh, Wazoo Coop oh, yeah. thing and, you know, the buddies That's and all the, the, all, the school, all the bros man. were going out there. Yeah. And I, yeah, I know. And I wanted to be a part of that. I, at least I thought I did at the time. And, you know, my, one day my dad came home and he was like, hey, I, you know, bad news, lost the job here. We're not going to be oh, able wow. to afford to send you to school. You're going to have to start working and figure it out. Wow. Um, and it was a, the biggest blessing looking back in hindsight, you know, it was 12 years ago. And it's just been, uh, what happened really was I got a letter in the mail from Cutco vector marketing. They wanted a, a group of people to come out and interview for summer jobs to sell kitchen knives. Right. And my, my great aunt was like, you're going to hate it. It's the worst job ever. <laughs> Everyone was telling me not to do it. And I went, I went in and I just interviewed and I thought, you know what? I have, I don't know what my plan is, what it's going to look like. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to go to college, but let me just give this knife selling thing a shot and let's see if I'm any good at it. And then three years later, you know, I uh, had a good little career with Cutco. It taught me so much. Um, it, it helped kind of propel me into this realization that I wanted to run my own business yeah. just for the simple fact that I wanted to, I didn't want to do the corporate America thing. I didn't want to do the fuss and, and, the, and the hustle. And I just, I wanted to have my own time, my own peace and, um, and be able to have my own schedule. So, you know, I did Cutco for a few years and then I bounced through some really difficult times from age 21 to 23. Those were just some terribly hard years of, of failing, of not being able to put anything together. And I was, I was battling some emotional mental stuff. I, you know, I had struggled with anxiety issues. Mm-hmm. I had, uh, I was just going through a lot. It was a lot of yeah. stuff. Um, and, and then at 23, that's when I had a, that breakthrough where I said, you know what, I, I've just been struggling so much. I'm not able to have any of this peace. I'm not able to put any of this stuff together. And that's when I said, you know what, let's let's follow God. And, and the business started kind of right after that. Um, and, and then it, God just never stopped working. And I, like the song says, you know, he never stopped working. And he just truly hasn't. That's a really cool story, man. And so like, I asked that question because I wanted to, well, first I wanted clarity on those years, right? Because that was like six years where it was a little gray for me. I'm like, where was Taylor? And then also there are guys hopefully listening to this who are maybe in a season, like you don't have to be fresh out of high school. You could still be in high school. You could be in college and just feeling lost. You could be like between jobs and you're just like, what, what is going on here? How does this all connect to the big picture? Is God even real? Is God with me? And so I want him, I want us to share like the dark seasons too, you know? Yeah. And like, look, Taylor came out of that. What would you say needed to change? So I, so whenever someone's going through a difficult season, that's kind of prolonged. And this, I learned this from my wilderness season. And I talk about all the time is usually God doesn't pull you out of a difficult season unless you do something or you like release something because that's the reason you're in that season. Like he wants to see something change in your heart before he'll transform. Cause otherwise you won't learn from it. Right. Or right. it won't really serve a purpose. What do you feel like might've been your like transformation or change or release or something that you needed to do before God pulled you out of that pit? Yeah, it was, uh, it was going back to church. Really. It was what happened was, for for those couple, you know, twenty one to twenty three, I just kind of fell off. I fell off my my faith, and and uh, 
I was drinking. We were doing the casinos, like living that yeah. just a fun little sinful, carefree life. And and I battled so much anguish, mental anguish. I was so unhappy, and I had uh, I had this this anxiety issue. And you know, it just got to the point where where I was so torn, so lost, so down, so beaten up, and so uh, so tired of trying to run the race on my own. Yeah. And my mom had started going to this little church in South Seattle and she just kept pressing me. She said, you got to come check it out. It's amazing. Got to come check it out. And so finally just one night, you know, I think it's God's grace that really takes us, but, but I was willing to go. Right. And I think a lot of people have to be, get to the point where they're willing to go. They're willing to, to like, I think you've said it perfectly, Chad, get out of that, uh, get out of that place where you're, you're still trying to drive the, the car. And I think that was a great analogy. And so I said, you know what, I'll go. I don't have anything else. Uh, you know, I don't, nothing left to lose at this point. I, I don't have, you know, I don't have any peace. I don't have any happiness. I'm not progressing in any aspects of my life. Uh, you know, let's go give this thing a shot. And, and I realized at that point that I had, uh, that I owed God a, a lot of apologies. I had just been so, um, I'd been so casual. I had been so cavalier with my approach. My, my, my faith walk was, it was so distant. And so that started, that just jump started and kick started this whole new, um, kind of this whole new season of my life where I was, I, I was starting to go to church twice a week. I was doing Bible study on Tuesday nights. We had church on Sundays and, and I gave up a lot of the sinful ways. You know, it's been almost, uh, almost five years since my last alcoholic beverage, right? I don't drink anymore. That was always a sort of a, a lingering problem that I battled was, was binge alcoholism. You know, you, you drink 12, 12 shots of vodka. That's not, that's not a, an appropriate, uh, appropriate way you to, might to be handle overdoing alcohol, it right? a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that, that was it, man. It was at 23 where I, I just got tired. I, 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 I wanted, I wanted to get serious about my future. I wanted to get married. I really wanted to, to, you know, settle down and, and, um, and start living for God. Trevor, do you feel like your Cutco experience and Taylor's Cutco experience, like there's any commonalities there? Oh, absolutely, man. I was going to uh, interject earlier a little bit and say this, there is no doubt. I went through the same thing, right? Everybody's like, don't work for that company. It's a scam. Like that's, it's a fraud. <laughs> you're you're going to like, you know, cause they're like, you're going to pay that $135 and it's going to be a wait, you know, for like your sample kit or whatever. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and dude, honestly, that was the best job I've ever had. And like the growth and the things they teach you and the things they instill in you, like if you really commit to it and you actually go to all the little conferences and you do all the <laughs> things you're supposed to do, dude, they yep. coach you up and teach you up like a high level sales and marketing strategy that like other kids your age are not even aware so of. So and then, then it teaches you how to speak to people. It teaches you so many things and your skill set just evolves so much faster than the rest of your friends. And they're like, yeah, that job's stupid. And it's like, no, like you're an idiot for not doing it. Yeah. And so, it's, great exposure. It, it's, it's yeah. true. I mean, like what other situation do you have? Like you, you're able to go in and you're selling knives in random people's homes that probably like you probably dated their daughter for gosh sakes. And you're like, Hey, <laughs> like that you get rid of all your fear and discomfort in the first two years of your career. That's, that's really smart. It's just smart. Yeah. And Trevor, you, you can probably, you can probably attest to this, that, and maybe you were going to college, uh, during it at, were you? No, no, I was same, same as you. I wasn't, I actually didn't go to school. So same, same sort of deal. Perfect. So you can, you, maybe this is similar to, to your friends, but what ended up happening for me was my friends were coming back home from, from Pullman and all they had were, were, you know, they had problems from with alcohol, problems with pills, problems with girls. They, they had just 
basically wasting their parents' money, uh, going to you know barely going to school, yeah. right? Doing the frat yeah. party stuff, and here I was right. learning a legitimate, applicable, translatable skill set. Exactly. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. Same same sort of deal. They were just kind of like you know doing the whole thing like you're saying and i was really seriously learning how to be a business person and not only that but for in my case i lucked out so the dallas you know dallas is about 3 hours from my hometown but this is where like our division office is so no one wanted to like come from dallas to run an office in shreveport so i actually got to run my own office so i was a district manager there in shreveport at the age of 20 wow good for you yeah, man. It just really ended like right place at the right time. And no one wanted to leave Texas to come to Louisiana. So I was the top sales rep in our area and they offered it to me. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to get the chance to be like an entrepreneur at a young age and get, get going on this whole thing. And it was just like phenomenal, dude. The training, the way they handled it, the way they helped me out, like that company, I always vouch for them. Not only are the knives absolutely amazing, but the company yeah. itself is truly remarkable and it's a great experience. Amen, brother. Amen. Chad, what's your take on, uh, on your, your, your early entrepreneurial days? I mean, you did the college thing, right? Not, I'm, I guess I'm the host now. I'm asking you the questions, but you did the whole college deal and you were a very good student. Well, it's kind of funny though, because you guys are talking about like a, you're actually making money selling knives when you're 18, 19. I'm the guy off at a top 20 university blowing my parents' money. And guess what? I took an entrepreneurship class there because I've always wanted to be entrepreneurial or whatever. And guess what they had us do? Come up with a business concept and sell it uh, around campus. And whoever, it's actually kind of cool. The guy who ran it was a successful tech entrepreneur. He still is. But whoever made the most money out of all the teams, there were like, I think 10 teams that, that kind of uh, divided out the class. Whoever made the most money got all the money that everyone made. Wow. And I was on the winning team. I was on the winning team. We took home like we took home like $12,000 nice. uh, through that class. And so it paid for itself, but what I'm really trying to say is I'm at a top university paying top dollar. It was $56,000 a year to send me to that school. It's insane. Wow. And guess what they do? They pretty much have you go out and sell Cutco knives. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you guys actually had the good beat on that one, okay? And I'm telling my dad sold Cutco knives, by the way. Wow. And my dad's one of the best salesmen I've ever seen. Sometimes I wish he would chill out with the sales pitch. But <laughs> you guys are probably probably some of the, probably two of the most comfortable people. Like if I was running a sales organization, you guys would be in my top five calls, <laughs> like my first five calls. Please come work for me. And part of that is just because that. of your personalities, like there's some raw material there, of course. But I, I really think that not just Cutco, but like if you're a young guy and you're thinking about what you want to do, don't always look at the brand name. Okay. Like jobs are not like sneakers. Okay. If I buy a 20 pair, $20 pair of sneakers, my expectations are fairly lower than if I buy Adidas or Nike or some of the proven brands. Like, I really believe in that. I think that there there are things, there are situations where you just get what you pay for. And I usually yeah. target, I want to be in that mid-range so that I'm not overspending, but I'm not underspending either. I'm getting enough quality. But with career, it is more about the work you put in and who you are. That is the bigger driver of whether that thing is going to pan out into a larger, like more reliable career. And that's just based on my experience. But like, 
if you're looking at an opportunity and you're comparing, you want to be like the lowest guy on the totem pole at a big reputable company. And you want to be able to brag about working at that big company versus you're going to be like working at a small shop with 23 people and it's a regional business and has zero name. And maybe it's not as sexy on paper. I would, I mean, you got to compare the money and all that too, but I would honestly prefer the small business. You'll be a bigger fish in a smaller pond. You're going to learn more skills. Don't look so much at the brand name and the street reputation. What do you guys think about that? It's interesting because the 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 young people who are watching this, and I know Chad, you kind of gave me the 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 age range of of the listeners and sort of wide wide variety. But for the young people that are watching this, the the biggest the best piece of advice I can give you is is this: there's never going to be a substitute for real life experience, and so. Put yourself in positions where you are, you know, even if it's just shadowing somebody who who you, you know is in the field that yeah. you want to pursue. Get around people who are in a, in a position that that you envy or that you respect or that you admire, and just see. Not only just watch their day to day, but 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 ask you know ask questions like how how did you you know how do you feel at the end of the day when you when you're performing this service? Like, are you feeling an impact uh, being made in in this person's life? Because you know, you do, and I think a lot of people do this where they get into this job and then a type of job, and then they are see the different employees that have been there for 10, 15 years. And you got to look at these guys and say, do I want my life to look like that in 10, 15 years? Yeah. Mm. Right. That's good. And I have a friend who was a, a car salesman and he got into it and he said he got out and money was good. He was making you know, over a hundred grand. And he said he got out because he looked at every single one of these guys and every single one of them was divorced. Every single one of them was an alcoholic. Every single one of them was miserable. And they're all making a hundred to 200,000. So it wasn't a money thing, but he said he just didn't want, he didn't want to compromise his, his moral beliefs and his, his foundation for his life, which was, uh, you know, his marriage and whatnot all over, you know, a commission. So it's, it's really important. And even this goes for the guys in their thirties and forties, right? If, if you're in a job transition, a career transition, you're trying to figure out what's next. Go look at the people that are, you know, 10 years ahead of you and, and see if they live a life that you want to live and not just money, but look at the holistic approach. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's why I left uh, Big Four Consulting, uh, Travel Consulting. Now there's like a whole new wave now of management consulting firms that are all local because because those guys and gals did not want to become directors and partners at like these big traditional consulting firms because they're all... They're all really good at golf and they're really good at drinking and they're really good at making money, but they all have, you know, they all got <laughs> failed marriages and they barely know their kids. I mean, they only see their yeah. kids three days a week. For me, that is unacceptable. I'm out of town once every two weeks and I miss my kids like crazy. I can't imagine being yeah. on the road all the I don't care what money I make. They just want their dad. They don't care. They want their dad, man. So yeah. I agree, man. And I think that... um you know, since I was really young, I've always wanted to start a young men's development academy. And the idea has always evolved, but but really the root of it is to connect young guys who don't know what they want to do with their lives, like me, <laughs> with people who, they don't need to have it all figured out, but people who are on the other side of that. They're in their 40s, 50s, 60s. They're in the seasons of life where they want to mentor. They're willing to share. They're like done proving things. You know what I mean? They're like, this is the yeah. path I took. You know, here's what I like about my gig. Here's what I don't like. Here are the costs. Here are the benefits. And just give these guys a chance to try different things in like a like a low risk way so that they can 
pretty much decide what they might want to do before they go give a university $130,000 for a degree that they might even not want to use. Cause like for yeah. me, I went and spent, I told you what the, the, the ticket price is on Carnegie Mellon and I graduated and I had, I had to take a job. Who cares if I like it? I'm taking a job because I have debt. Now I have debt. Yeah. So it changes right. the entire dynamic rather than what do I want to do? I mean, I was no longer in a position to ask myself that question. Right. So, I mean, the whole notion of college and all this stuff, it's very traditional. And like, I don't know, I see a lot of guys in their twenties who run their own businesses. They've had a lot of real world experience like you guys, and they've found a way to kind of make their way and they're doing, they're doing fine, you know, and they're, and they, yeah. and they have some independence and stuff. And so People ask me what I'm going to do with my kids. And I'm like, I just want to give them as much exposure as I possibly can when they're young. And they can honestly, as long as you understand like people and rudimentary math and some marketing, like what marketing and sales even is, I can put you in front of business people and you can kind of get a feel of, do I want to be that guy in 20 years? Right? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's my approach. And I'm not going to make college a mandatory thing for my kids. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think, I think a lot of people, though, in in terms of just the folks that are a little bit, you know, they're wired entrepreneurial um, like we are, I think they'd like to just know what a day in the life is of like an entrepreneur. Like, I know that we all know corporate America, people can kind of envision the life. I mean, you, you wake up, you do the nine to five thing, you probably have meetings all day, you make really important decisions, and then you go home and you, <laughs> you're done. But like, what is your day? Like walk us through a standard day in, uh, for Taylor Condren. Yeah. Well, it, <laughs> let's do it. So it's going <laughs> to depend, uh, entirely on the day. So for instance, we'll do, um, we'll do Thursday, uh, because that's the, that's the night I preach. So Thursday looks a lot like this. Um, I'll wake up at, uh, and Daniela is not at school. It's my three-year-old. She's not at school on Thursday. So we'll wake up to her chirping and, and making sounds. She probably gets up around <laughs> seven. Seven seven thirty to seven fifty, like in that range. So oh, that's lucky. That's done. when I'll get up. Yeah, anything earlier than that, and I'm a little frustrated. But you know, seven thirty, <laughs> seven fifty, we'll get up. And uh, <laughs> Allie's been up all night, you know, back and forth with the baby doing that oh, whole yeah. thing. So, um, you know, it's it's um, it's been a, my life look, has looked a lot different as of late because of Joelle, the baby's situation, which For which sure. I don't know if you want me to even get into chatting a little bit, but. Uh, you know, let's, we'll talk about that in a second, but you know, with, with traditional day will be, you know, take, take, get Daniela up, uh, and, and get her, get her ready, get, get, uh, breakfast and, and whatnot going for the kids and, you know, get some coffee going, get a little caffeine, never hurt anybody. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I grab my phone and I just check to see if there's anything, any fires I need to put out, right. Any, any fires that need to be immediately extinguished, whether that's text message or email or Facebook message or any way that somebody can, needs to contact me. And like from your clients, like if your client really needs something, it could be client related, but it also could be, you know, in faith or, you know, uh, ministry related. It could be somebody that is really having a hard time. And I, I'll drop anything to pray with somebody. Absolutely. That's, that takes precedence. If yeah. someone's having a really tough time, they want to talk that takes precedence. Work can be put off. But fortunately, you know, most of the time it's, everything is pretty well contained. I'll get a shower and then I'll, I'll get dressed and that in pretty much as a, a t-shirt with sweatpants or t-shirt and jeans or a long sleeve t-shirt and, and shorts. I don't know. It doesn't, whatever I feel like, depending on the weather, Texas weather. And then I'll grab my computer, I'll go to my office and then I'll, I'll log in. I'll check to see what's uh, really what's going on for the day. We'll check the market, see how that's going. Um, 
and I'll and I'll look over some of the different metrics, right? Well, I'll study the Google ads that I have running to see how everything's performing. I'll touch base with some different clients and let everyone know how their ads are performing. Um, obviously, throughout the day, I'm getting emails left and right, not not from clients, but mainly um, I keep track of the lead volume that comes in, so I can yeah. make sure that everybody's you know everyone's websites are producing, and if there's if I notice that a website is not producing, I'll log in, you know, and I'll, and I'll take a look. I'll see what needs to be done. So it's a lot of it's a lot of just management at this point. Um, I'm fortunate in the sense where I, I put in those really long, mean, hard hours building the business from the ground up. And I used to do it where I would sit there for hours on end sending cold emails. That was my business plan. As I would, I would, I would pick a city. Right. If I wanted to target, you know, Shreveport, like you mentioned, Shreveport, Trev, I target Shreveport and I'll pick a niche. Let's target tree service guys. And I go to Google, I'll type in Shreveport tree service and I'm going to all their websites, finding their emails and I'm going to send an email and it's going to be the same email every single time. Hey, you know, I found a couple of mistakes in their website. Let me put together a free video analysis for you. It's completely no obligation. If you like what you see, we'll have a phone conversation and then I'd send it off to them. And out of a hundred of them, maybe I get three to five that would respond back saying, sure, send me something, Taylor. That's how I built my business over this first couple of years was just doing that. And it was, it was not rewarding in the sense of, of enjoyable at the time, but looking back, I still have a lot of those clients, you know, almost seven years now that, uh, uh, that are still with me from those, those days. Now, fortunately, most of my business, 95% comes from word of mouth. So, um, you know, back to my midday, however, it's, you know, by, by, 12 o'clock or one o'clock on Thursday, I start to prepare for the sermon. I start to, pre- to prepare for, for Thursday night. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get, help the girls get ready for nap and stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate where, you know, it's, it's pretty passive. The business is pretty passive. It's, it's a couple hours a day of me managing the rest of the time. It's, you know, how can I, how can I get, be better as a Christian? How can I, how can I be, be better as a leader in my church community? Um, and then of course I, I also watch church a lot cause there's, there's, uh, uh, midweek sermons and whatnot that happen that are, that are, you know, from the Africa cause I'm part of an African based church. So I, I, I tune in all the time. I'm doing something church related every single day. Yeah. Uh, and then we do dinner and then I go preach and then, you know, come back and, and, uh, tidy up the house and everyone's asleep. And that's, that's a Thursday. That's a good day, dude. It is. It's a good day. It's a great day. You got family, you got faith, you got some business. You're it's very balanced, right? And you've had to earn that, right? You've, you've had to put in the hours to earn that. Like you, when you were painting the picture of the early business development that you were doing, I mean, that is a grind, like flat out. That is a grind, but you just got to do it. I and mean, that's, that's usually like the two years you just got to grind, you know? It's true, man. It's, it, it's, it is true. I'm, I'm looking back. I'm thankful I put in those, those, hours. I remember, you know, I would just be sending emails and I'd be making these screencast videos uh, you know, I, I basically record my, my screen while I'm looking over somebody's website and letting them know what's good. Yeah. You did that for me. You did that for me one yeah, time. I did dude. it for you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you dude, saw you're it. really good at what you do, man. You are good. <laughs> dude. He, Trevor, he does this whole analysis on your website using this tool and then he walks you through the results and like what he would recommend you do. That's awesome. Like, that was, I was baroque at the time and I'm like, man, if I had money, I would pay the hell out of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. So how many clients for you like is too is too many? Okay, yeah, it's a good good question. So it, it depends on the type of client. So what I've been doing a lot now is I'll is I'll, I'll, I'll the way I acquire a client is primarily you will do um, you know I'll say hey let's do Google or Facebook ads. It's great because they give me they give me their budget and I say okay perfect let's run it and I'll build in a profit margin on that and that Google and Facebook ad does the work for me right so it's it's 
as long as I know how to run good Google ads and good Facebook ads, it's really hands-off work. It's in terms of that type of client, I could have hundreds of them. Then I get these clients where they have a smaller budget. They're a smaller mom and pop type type of business and they're really hands-on. They're super needy and they need to be handheld. They need to have every question answered. You know, it's, it's, um, it's the guys that, you know, they can do two, 300 bucks a month as, as max. And that's a limit in terms of how many of those clients I I'm willing to deal with at, at this point in, in my, in my career, I would say, you know, maybe 20 of those guys I can be able to handle at a single time. Um, but a lot of these clients are, are bigger businesses that are doing three, four, five million dollars a year that, you know, have a little bit bigger budget where I can build in some profit margin. And they also have enough money that they can spend where they can see a result. Right. If you spend 50, 60 bucks a month on Google ads, it's, it's going to be hard when there's competitors of yours that are spending 10,000 a month. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. So it just depends on the type of client, but how did you learn how to do all this Taylor? Yeah. Yeah. I got to give credit to where credit is due. I bought a course back in 2015. I, I, I had, you know, the I used every dollar I had to my name. I bought a course. It was a course appropriately named job killing. That was the name of the course was job killing. And it was designed to help these 30, 40, 50 year olds uh, with kids and mortgages and debts get out of their jobs and, and be able to, you know, have a, have an income from home and whatnot. And so I was a single guy, 23, but I thought, Hey, I want to do that. I want, I want my 10, you know, 10 years from now to look like that where I'm, I'm working from home and I'm, I'm my family's first and, and I'd be able to, to do that. So I bought this course. It was like 5,200 bucks really a massive investment absolutely massive yeah, investment that's a lot at the time. Dude, that's, that's what lot. i was gonna say man like that's a that's a big investment you bet a lot on that that's like dude that's bold you know you said a prayer when you when you bought that you know you said a prayer on that one <laughs> <laughs> you're like all right god <laughs> and i it, it's funny because as we're talking about we'll incorporate faith here is i i had to find peace and i had peace about that one i really did and i i i was beginning to trust god because i had started going back to church right i began i was beginning to trust god uh, more and more. And I just saw this course pop up and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have a lot of money, of course, but I was, I was willing to, to invest in something. I, you know, I didn't yeah. know it was going to take up every last dollar of that I had, but you know, I thought I feel peace about this and I trust, I trust this move. It was a huge, huge risk, but it's paid off uh, a lot. Obviously it's, it's helped me build this business. And <clears throat> that course really set me on this, this path where I am now. That's super cool, man. I think it's really, I just, wanted to paint a picture of what it's like to actually run a business. We could have gone on and on about that, but I'm glad we hit on some of the more important things too. But it's also just good to know that like the mechanics of starting a business, I don't think a lot of entrepreneurs, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are so busy selling themselves that you don't get just the real story of like, how did they do this? Right. And like, yeah. They want you to buy their course or they want you to buy their book or whatever. And it's like, I just kind of want to know how you did it without you bragging or selling or anything like that. And so I'm I'm happy we got to provide a window into just like a good faithful dude who runs his own business. Like how did he, how did all that unfold? So thank you for sharing that, man. Yeah, Chad, I appreciate that. And in a nutshell, it, it's, it's going to look different for every single person. And it's, yeah. It's funny because Gary Vaynerchuk, if everyone knows Gary V, you know, he's, he uses a lot of profanity and, and I, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of that type of style, but I appreciate his, his hustle and, and, and what he does. And he always said that uh, it took him 10 years to become an overnight success. So we see this, 
this great result of what he's created, but people don't see some of these really, really humbling, humbling days where, you know, I remember being at midnight making a screencast video and I got a sinus infection and I'm in my parents' house and I have $247 in my bank account. Like these were really, really super humbling times. And, uh, and, and it's not, it's not by my own doing. And I want people to be very aware of this. It's not by my own doing. I'm not some special high IQ person or anything like that. I just, I really do 100% believe that God had great mercy on me, great grace with me, and and just decided to bless me when I was willing to say, you know what, I can't do it on my own anymore. Yeah, man, that's so good. So I have one more question for you. Yeah. How do you define purposeful manhood? Purposeful man, well, I'm gonna, I want to hear your guys' answer on this too, because this is such a good question. Oh man, you can't do that. All right, well, I'm gonna make Trevor go first then. Yeah, yeah, I'll go first and we'll sit and that way we'll, we'll build up here. So like, <laughs> man, for me, I would have to say it's about finding what you're passionate about. Like purposeful manhood to me is finding what you're passionate about and not allowing that thing to be robbed from you, right? Because like the world will try to, you know, earlier you'd mentioned you're passionate about evangelism, right? The world would try to tell you like, hey man, you really need to focus on your business. Hey, the business is getting real successful. You need to put more time to, hey, you need to think about this. Like you really need to focus on, and they try to like lock you in to these things, whether it's a, you know, a high paying job or working more or trying to make, you know, X amount more money every year or whatever. And your passion and what you're truly passionate about at your heart just kind of gets like snuffed out or pushed aside or they're like, worry about that later. Well, the problem is, is you sit there like totally unfulfilled day in and day out, day in and day out, and you become miserable. And I I remember earlier you were talking about the little two year gap where you kind of like fell into a depression. You didn't use that word, but I'm using that word because I've been in a gap like that and was recently where I kind of like was doing the entrepreneurial thing. And then I left it to go do like a quote unquote, like sure thing job. And literally Mm -hmm. it just like destroyed me on the inside. I mean, it was like brutal, you know, to the, to the point to where like, I literally just felt dark. Like every part of me felt dead. Every part of me felt dark. I had no more spark. I didn't even want to talk to people. Like I'm someone like when I go to the coffee shop, I'll talk to the dude like, Hey man, how's it going? How's your day going? Like all this coffee's awesome, dude. I wouldn't even speak to people anymore. That shocked you, dude. That was bad for you. But it was the thing. Everyone was like, everyone in my family, everyone I knew was like, you need to take this job. This is a great job. Like, wow, you're going to make this amount. And this is a company that has a chance to grow and it's making this much money. And like, and it, it was sold as this whole thing. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I left like my passion to go follow this thing. And it literally drove me into a depression. Wow. And so for me, like, because that's a personal story for me, like purposeful manhood for me is like finding that thing you're passionate about, which you said this earlier, like for everyone, it's different for every single person. It's different. And like not letting that thing go, like fighting for it. Like you got to be like, you got to have some tenacity and you got to be willing to fight and like fend off people. Kind of like, I don't know, I'm seeing the vision of like when someone gets a rebound, you know, and they're like throwing those elbows, trying to get everybody off. You really have to fight to keep the ball because people will try to take the ball from you. It's just weird because like, why would you want to take my passion from like, to me, it's like more of a spiritual thing, right? Like the enemy, it says he comes to kill, steal and destroy And we don't even understand his methods. Like people think about him with like a pitchfork and a cape. And it's like, no, no, no. If you really read the Bible, he's more works in the mind and works through thoughts and ideas and uses people to speak to you, to discourage you or to try to take things from you. Like 
things that are your call and your destiny, things that he has discerned about you and who you are. Because he's yeah. been watching humanity for thousands and thousands of years. I mean, he's been studying he's got data. mankind. And he can decide, and my, my belief is he can decipher people and their gifts and what they're good at, what they're not good at. Like, he knows these things by watching people. It's like when you're watching your, you know, like a dog, if you have a dog, like, you know when he, like, heard a noise or he's looking for his toy or he wants you to feed. Like, you know, because you've watched him enough. And so, in yep. my mind, like, guarding that passion, guarding it from the enemy trying to take it from you, guarding it from people trying to, you know, make you miserable because they're miserable sort of thing. Or even you deal a lot with like, you know, jealousy in life where people like they don't want you pursuing your passion because they're not pursuing theirs. And like, right. that's another thing you run into. And so for me, purposeful manhood is like, one, you got to discover what you're passionate about. And that's, a, that's a, that'll take you a long time sometimes. If it, it did, it took me a long time. And then you have to like hold on to that thing for dear life and fight for it. And so that's kind of, that's, that's where I'm going to take that question. I'll, like that. I'll pass it along. I like that. That's good. I like that. Um, so mine, I try to keep it simple, right? I would be remiss to not mention, like, I think identifying your gifts is a big part of walking in purposeful manhood. Because if you're, if you think about the inverse, if you're not doing the work to understand what your unique contribution is to the world and those around you, I think that's, I don't know if it's selfish or it's just weak. I don't know what it is, but I think that we all have a duty and a right to identify our gifts, identify our passions. And it's not just yeah. about me because I, because our generation loves this. It's like my purpose and my independence and my freedom and I deserve to do what I want to do. No, no, no. It's about how am I uniquely gifted to serve others, right? Because yes. there's a purpose behind that. So that's number one is identifying your gifts. Number two is protecting and providing for those under your care. I think that when we are yeah. given things to take care of in this world, come hell or high water, we are responsible for those things. And some of us got married before we knew what marriage was really all about. I mean, join the club. Some of us had kids before we knew what the hell it was like to be a dad. Join the club. Like some of us signed up to pay mortgage payments that we're like, we're paying them. And like, that's a lot of money. Wow. But like, yeah. you know what? You made a decision, dude. You got to live with it. You've got to make it a positive. It's going to make you stronger. It's going to make you better. So protecting and providing for whatever has been under our care. That includes the employees that got his place underneath you. You are to protect them. You are to mentor them. You are to shepherd them. You are to encourage them. You are to challenge them to get them to grow. I mean, that there's a responsibility there that makes us stronger, and it it definitely has a connection to our gifts. And then number three, humbly and nakedly sharing our experience with others so we can help them. I don't think there's enough of this going on. It's authentic. This is my story. This is not just the good but like, here's the stuff I've done wrong. And here's what I learned through that. There's not enough of that. And so that's why this podcast is like, I feel like half the listeners are probably like, God, this guy just cuts himself down a lot. Like, why <laughs> does he do this? No, I just want to make it more normal to be 110% real about the good and the bad. And then, but all of that, like the undertow of all of that is learning to trust God. Like, I think that at the end of the day, if I die, there's one question of like, 
did I learn to trust God? Because when you have to do all those things, when you identify your gifts, you're trusting God because he put them there. When you're protecting and you're providing for your family or like whoever is under your care, you're trusting God. He's going to give you what you need to do to do that. He's going to give you the patience. He's going to give you the persistence to do that. You can't fully be trusting God if you're not willing to share the good and the bad, right? I already know who I am, so I can share. I don't care what people think about me because I'm good. I'm already qualified. I'm in his house, right? So all of it is ultimately buttressed by just learning to trust God. Amen. That's good, man. Taylor, what's your answer, bud? I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. My answer is going to be the third best amongst the three of these answers. <laughs> those those two answers were were amazing. And I, I was just sitting here like, I'm nodding my head. I'm like, man, this, this is good. Like I could listen to you guys talk for hours about this. And, and Chad, I, I, you know, I, I thank you for giving me this opportunity to come on here because and I'll yeah. say this for all the listeners that are, that are, that are taking part of this is Chad. He really does truly has, you have a, uh, a, a desire to, to serve others, Chad, in, in a sense where it's, it's, you want to empower others. You want to, you're a really good connector. You want to put people in positions where they're going to, where they're going to succeed and they're going to have, um, and they're going to have good experiences. And I think that honestly is, is a good part, a big portion of purposeful, uh, being purposeful in your walk is, are you, and you guys touched, both touched on this is, are you, are you doing things that are going to impact other people as well as just yourself? Uh, you know, the yeah. Bible comes down to very simple things like love thy neighbor, right? And are we, are we truly loving others uh, the way we love ourselves? Um, do we think about others uh, the way that we think about ourselves, you know, and, and do we do things for others? You know, it's, it's, um, it's hard nowadays. And I understand people have a lot going on with jobs and kids and families and whatnot and, and work responsibilities, but you know, God reads the heart, right? He doesn't necessarily right. look at your, in the, he doesn't look at your liver or your pancreas or your appendix or your kidneys. It's the heart is not just an organ. The heart is, is the center of who somebody is, right? And he searches, the Bible says, God searches our heart. And so it comes down to being purposeful in terms of how I look at it is, where is your heart? Is your heart softened? You know, Billy Graham once said, his famous quote was, I've never sold the gospel to anybody. I've just preached the word of God to those whose hearts God had opened. So how open is, is your heart? And, I, and I'm challenging the listener right now is how, how willing are you to let God fully search your heart? You know, maybe you're holding on to something. It could be, uh, it could be some sort of stress or pain or frustration or lack of forgiveness it could be an addiction. Um, it could be that you're maybe not able to fully give yourself to God for whatever reason. And I just, my, my, my prayer for you is that, and you guys touched on it, is find that passion that's going to drive you to, uh, to be Christ-led, to be Spirit-led in your walk, whatever it is, whatever whatever you are are called to do, whether that's business, sports, or you know whatever age you are, um, in family, right? It's it's sacrifice. That's a big thing to sacrifice. Those are things that'll yeah. lead to you finding your purpose. That's good, man. So good. I don't really even want to add to that. That's so good. <laughs> I'm like, yep, he he got it. <laughs> That's awesome, guys. This was a really, really fruitful conversation. I'm better for it. I really appreciate you guys coming on and partnering with me and uh, and just encouraging and equipping listeners. That's the whole goal here. Yeah. Does anybody have any parting words, gentlemen, before we let these folks go? I'll close with this, Chad. I just want to speak into the lives of the people watching this right now, listening to this right now, that uh, that you are worthy and that you you are worth it and you yeah. can accomplish. You can you can achieve. Um, I just, again, I'm challenging you to, you know, faith is spelled T-R-U-S-T, right? Put your faith in God, trust in him, 
you will not be disappointed. You will not be let down. You will not be forsaken or abandoned or forgotten about. You will not be left at the altar. God is going to finish what he started. And uh, I just get a little uh, emotional. You have to forgive me, but um, I just, I pray for those who are watching this and I just pray that God uh, opens your heart. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, until next time. All right. Have a good night, guys. Thanks for listening to the Saddled Stallion Podcast. That's it, guys. Be strong, be humble, walk in purposeful manhood. <laughs>